Lord, we thank you to be together tonight, opening up the Bible, and and we ask now that you, by your Holy Spirit, would teach us and open up our hearts to the Word of God to receive uh, the Word as a seed into our hearts that we might know you, uh, that we might love you, and that we might learn to follow you. Uh, Lord, in our days, and, and even for the youngins in the room tonight, they might learn to follow you all the days of their life. So we thank you for, for your revealed word of God and ask that your spirit would, would teach us all about Jesus tonight. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Book of Deuteronomy. Uh, literally means second law. So we actually get our titles, and maybe you have this part figured out. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are the first five books of the Bible. Sometimes it's called the Torah, if you ever hear that term. Uh, All of the Jewish scriptures can be divided into three sections with uh, the Torah, and then the prophets, and then the books of poetry. And the, or maybe you've heard the term Pentateuch, which is again penta. You can hear five. The Pentateuch are the first five books of the Bible, but that's a Greek word to describe the first five books. And they're generally accepted. And, um, what that means is most people agree. Uh, I'm pretty simple on this same thing. And I do agree, but I don't have to be convinced to agree because my Bible says this is the fifth book of Moses. I believe Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy. And sometimes you might, uh, especially now with the internet, you can get any idea out there and every idea about uh, who wrote this and or they might attribute only a part to Moses. Uh, let's face it, there are some really, really smart people. Uh, well, they tell you they're really smart. I don't find them very smart, but they say they're smart. That say there were three, there were three different authors of the book of Isaiah. Well, I have a problem with that because Jesus quoted from all three sections of the book of Isaiah and he attributed it to the prophet Isaiah. I'm going to stick with what Jesus said about where this comes from. Now, one of the fun things about studying Deuteronomy, and there's a couple of them, but uh, you may or may not know this, but when Jesus quoted from Moses, he most often quoted... From the book of Deuteronomy, when he would quote the law, when he would reference the law, he would come to this book and we find ourselves um, really an interesting time period for the children of Israel. We're studying the words that Moses had to say to the children of Israel and he wrote this and spoke this. You, you, You with me? He wrote this and he spoke this while the children of Israel were right across from Jericho in the plains of Moab, after after their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, in fact, if you'll, you'll catch this by the time we get to verse 3, they're in the last year of their wilderness wanderings in the 11th month. And the Holy Spirit has this for the children of Israel in that context, in that day, for them to... Listen once again to the words that God wants Moses to say unto the people of Israel. 
Now, I like this because the more I look at this study, and there seems to be, uh, really for me, in a simplicity, there, there's a great meaning unto the, the simplicity of, of this understanding. In Hebrew, this book is called Devarim. And it literally means words. And so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy all get their name. And, and maybe it's just that simple with what do we call this book that Moses wrote. We could call it book one, book two, all the way to book five. But what, what the Jews have done is they found the first word, first key word mentioned in Moses' writings, and they attribute that book, that title. For example, when we studied the book of Numbers, they came to the word wilderness, and in Hebrew, that word is bamidbar, in the wilderness, and that's what they title the book of Numbers. So our term Deuteronomy, which means second law, okay, it's not Moses giving his own interpretation of the law. It's not Moses writing the Ten Commandments the way they should have been written. But, for example, we will find the Ten Commandments in two places in Moses' writings. We'll find them in Exodus chapter 20. So, kids, when your parents want you, where's that, where's that commandment about not stealing or lying or that, when they say, you know that you shouldn't be doing that? Exodus 20. I got my eyes on you. All right. Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, this is exciting for me because words. Moses has things to say to the people of God before they cross over into the promised land. He does not get to go with them. But his words, well, his words are still with us because it's Holy Spirit inspired. It's scripture. It's it's written. And I'll, I'll be very honest with you. By the time you you come through, let's say the first eight chapters of Deuteronomy, when we do this study, you're going to like, I can't believe how much in the first eight chapters was really how Jesus came to interact with those who were under the law and said they were of Moses, and yet they were not keeping the word that Moses had said. They were not following the words that Moses had spoken. Now, some of you might be aware of this, what I say next. Not only did Moses say things that are recorded in the book of Deuteronomy, all right, there is a whole tradition amongst Jews that attribute that Moses said more. That's not recorded here. Okay? And they've now written volumes of what Moses, well, what they said Moses said. And it's called the Mishnah. So if you ever hear the term Mishnah, it's the oral tradition of the law. And there's things in there that you will not find in your Bible that they attribute that Moses told us these things. Really, he did. But I find it very interesting that Jesus, whenever he talked about 
and quoted and spoke of Moses and anything that Moses would have said, it is always found in the record of the scriptures of those things that Moses said that are scripture. So is the Mishnah scripture? No. It's not. Now, when we get into this, and we're into it, and I'm really into it, because uh, we have been studying numbers at, at the church in Fargo, and we've gone all the way through the study of the book of Numbers, and maybe some of you have caught some of those studies online. And when we come to this place of Moses being right there with the children of Israel, and he has things to say unto them, that he has words, he has things, he has a cause for what he's doing. That's the way that word, Navarim, comes into the translation. And get this, it is in the, the book of Deuteronomy, it is in there almost 60 times throughout all these chapters. This keeps coming up that these are the things, these are the words. Now let me illustrate for you. What, what do we really follow? If I say unto you, do you keep the sayings of Jesus? If I, if I say that phrase to you. Now, I am saying that phrase to you now. And immediately when I hear that phrase, keeping the sayings of Jesus, I think Matthew seven twenty four. It's the wise man who builds his house upon the rock, who hears the word of God and does it. He who hears the sayings of Jesus and puts them into practice. And we know the contrast is the foolish man who hears the sayings of Jesus but does not put them into practice. In fact, the more I started to look at what this book really means for the children of Israel who are about to enter in to the promises of God. They they have waited and waited and waited 40 years, long time to wait in order to enter in to receive the promise of inheritance. Helpful for all of us to to recognize and measure time. And I did a little exercise before this study today. And I I just went back 40 years because Moses goes back 40 years. And I went back to 40 years. So January 2nd, 1982, it was a Saturday. It's like, well, who cares about a Saturday? Well, that, that means as an 11-year-old, okay, I was 11 years old 40 years ago. So which one of you in the room is 11? Is that you? Good, good job, Mom. So are you already going through all the names of the kids when you're talking to them and you go through the whole list? Pretty much? Whoever you are. This one, this one, not whatever your name is, right? Maybe. Um, and I went back. So this places me 40 years ago, age 11, growing up on the farm, rural Minnesota, Lamberton, Minnesota. Saturday in January at age 11, I would have been at basketball practice. I, I, I wanted to play basketball. And that's the only one day a week, the fifth and sixth graders would go and practice basketball. I know where I was at 40 years ago. And I just started to think about this, but if you if you catch this, the context of the scriptures for Deuteronomy 1, these are the things that God wants to be said unto the children of Israel at that time. Hey, and, and you think about it. Scripture, book of Revelation, 
closing the record of Scripture, 96 A.D., no more Bible written. But just think of, think of this with me. How many things have we said to one another about the Word of God since then? How valuable has it been? We open up the Bible together and we look at this and we speak of these things and we say, and, and, and look at this. And, and what are we really waiting for? So here we are now in 2022. And, and what are we really expecting to happen now in regards to the Lord in our lives? Well, I present unto you in the context of what we're now waiting for, and, and I can go back 40 years and I can look at what the world was doing 40 years ago. There was fear in the world over the possibility of the destruction uh, of the world. 1982, 83, uh, let's see, November of 1983, so a few years after what I'm talking about today, the movie The Day After came out, which was the depiction of an all-out uh, fictional, right? All-out nuclear exchange between the USSR and the United States of America. And the day after, all the fallout, everybody who had died, everything that had happened, and what was left in this small little Kansas town right in the heart of America. Very deliberate what they were doing, right? To depict, and there was, it wasn't the only movie, but the other thing that was happening leading up to that, some of you might remember the late great planet Earth, all the way through the 70s, Hal Lindsey's book. In fact, the New York Times describes Hal Lindsey's book now, right? That is, it was the best-selling nonfiction book of the 1970s. And it ultimately was getting not just believers, but even unbelievers were reading this book and they were getting stirred up over this reality, which was the end of the end of the world as we know it, culminating in the return of Jesus Christ. So what do I have to say in our context? So here we study the children of Israel on the edge of entering into the promises. If there was one promise that we could have fulfilled in 2022 and us as believers entering into this, and again, this is my context of coming to these words that Moses had to share. If I could prepare you for the promises of God that we're about to enter into, what are we about to enter into? Well, how close are we to the rapture of the church, to the, to the fulfillment of the seven-year time period of tribulation, and right after that, the second coming of Jesus Christ, preparing for our Lord to come? Now, as I share that with you, you, you see where my mind was thinking and going and, and considering with this study. And, and the environment 40 years ago when, when there was fear over the annihilation, if you will, I, maybe in school you toured the fallout shelter or maybe you did the drills. Or maybe you remember when they were putting fallout shelters in every public building. And the, the reality, you know, you go back to 1962, right? You, you go back to the Cuban Missile Crisis and then you go back to, and then the reality was, how close is this? Is it just going to take one nation and we're going to destroy the world? And you know what that did? That prepared this environment for the late great planet Earth, that book written, and, and it, it caused a whole bunch of people to really consider Bible prophecy. And in many ways, right, in many ways, what we're now thinking about, I, there, this isn't going to happen again. There is not ever going to be again this nation or this world gathered to one point over the things of the Lord. So I looked it up the day after. 
100 million viewers live when they did that TV for made movie. So current population is 330 million. I remember growing up about, when I'm about 11, probably 240 million people in the U.S. 100 million is probably almost all the households all tuning in on the one night to watch this movie that depicted we could destroy everything. I remember going to school the next day with my classmates. And again, sixth grade. I'm, in, I'm a sixth grader. And I remember everyone talking about and fearful over the day after. The day after. What's going to happen? Now, strange as that might be, um, to measure that impact, here we are now. And, and I would say what we're really looking at now, when we as believers are, are looking, hey, when I read Matthew 24, days of Noah, days a lot. Right? Wars and rumors of wars. Earthquakes in various places. Um, how about this? The parable of the fig tree. When you see these things, right? you, you see on a tree that the, they start sprouting leaves, you know that summer is near. He says, well, Jesus tells us, learn the parable of the fig tree. When you see these things begin to happen, know that this is near. It is at the door. And then I think this is 2435, if I have the right verse in my mind. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, words, devarim, if I can jump back to Hebrew, Jesus says, my words will never depart. They will not pass away. Now, that makes me excited for this study in this way, and I hope to incorporate for us along the way how important it is that these are the words that Moses spoke. Now, believers, right? We're, we're, we're spirit-filled believers. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You ever looked at those gifts of the Spirit? And it's like word of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, right? Word of exhortation. Do you, you hear that? Word of devarim. How important is it for us? And again, I'm not a word faith guy that's a blab it, grab it, just, you know, get God in the corner, surround him with his promises and, and hold him hostage over, God, you said you got to do this. I, I, don't, I don't follow that word faith in that way. But I do believe that there are things that God gives to us, not separate from the word of God, but to speak of the word of God and, well, let's face it, we do it all the time with sermons, don't we? We do a lot of sermon making. We do a lot of study. You, How about this? You, you instruct your children in the way they should go, and what do you talk to them about? Do you talk to them about, well, this my idea, I feel you should do this? No, we instruct them in a particular way, and we speak to them of the things in the Word of God. Deuteronomy 4, for us, raising the kids, was talk to them about these things when you walk along the way, when you sit down to eat together, when you lie down at night, instructing our children in the way they should go according to the Word of God. We'd speak to them about the Word of God. Think about this one, thou shalt not steal. The value of that, it's Word of God, it's commandment, but the real value comes when we do what with those things in the Word of God? We speak of them. And this is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy does not add to the historical record any more events, but it gives us the things that Moses speaks about all the things that went down. And I like that too. And so we should probably get on with the study because I could just sit and talk about that. I mean, 
I could talk to you about the Word of God for hours because these are the things I like to talk about. And as I do that, we're really now looking at this in the days in which we're living, that entering into that promise uh, of the Lord's return. Now, how wonderful would that be if that was 2022? Yeah, you, we, we wouldn't even think about 2020, would we? If the Lord raptured the church, you, you realize when we're caught up, nothing else is going to matter anymore. Nothing more we can do. We're not going to look upon any of the things. Hey, when the children of Israel cross into the promised land, are they going to talk about the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness? They're going to go behind them. And so Moses puts these words before they go in, and they can always turn to this, or they can always roll to it in their scroll and get those spots. So Deuteronomy 1.1. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel. The Hebrew word for words is debar. So what I've done for you is made it plural in Hebrew, debarim. These be the words. And that's really the title. And so these are the things that Moses says on this side of the Jordan, before they cross over. Now, as he says these things, the Bible here places them in the plains of Moab. Your version might say a plain over against the Red Sea. That's actually not the Red Sea. You'll notice they put sea in brackets. So the, the translators are adding that. The, the, the word is actually suf. And one definition of suf was seaweed. Um, so it's not necessarily the Red Sea. There is another place that they have found that is closer to the plains of Moab. That's probably what they're talking about. Between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dishab. And I looked today at one of my, I have a Bible geocode bookmark that shows me all the Bible sites from this chapter on a modern day map. And I found the four locations for Hazaroth. They don't know exactly where it is. But we know the general area that they were right on the other side. And these are the things that were said. Verse 2, there are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. So reason with me for a moment that intent of God for the children of Israel was not for them to be in the wilderness so long. 11 days journey ended up lasting 40 years. It's like planning a trip to Florida, which you can drive by car in 26 hours and you're there for seven years, trying to get there. You know, what's that? It's a bad dream. Well, that's the equivalent. So it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. What's he going to do? He's going to second law. He's going to say those things that have happened. He's going to go back to Mount Horeb and he's going to speak unto them again the Ten Commandments. He's going to speak unto them important things along the way. And this is the context. So the word, words, right in the beginning of this, these are the things that he says. And the Lord gave him these things to say unto them. And this takes place after Sihon and Og have been killed. 
Those were the two kings of the Amorites on the other side of the Jordan. And the two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, half-tribe Manasseh, get their land. Don't forget, right, Og was a giant. So even before, you know, Goliath is killed in David's day, Og's bed was 13 and a half feet long. Now, these are the things, this, this is what had taken place. Now, verse 5, on this side of the Jordan, you, you got this? They haven't crossed in yet. On this side of the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses began to declare this law, saying, the Lord spake unto us in Horeb. So after the giving of the law, building of the tabernacle, establishing the priesthood, all the sacrificial system, you know how long it took to do that? Approximately a year at Horeb, they were establishing, they were building, they were putting this together, everything's in place. And now Moses here records, says, the Lord says you have, you have dwelt long enough in this mount. So Horeb is Sinai, whenever you see that. Horeb is Mount Sinai. I also found all three locations. No, wait, I looked at all four locations of Horeb this morning. Now, where, did it, where is Mount Sinai really? Well, I believe it's actually on the other side of the Gulf of Aqaba, right, which would have been Midian in that day, modern day, Saudi Arabia. Now, I wanted to get there last time I was planning a trip and I didn't get there, but I'll try it again. And try to get to that location to see Horeb. Now, he told them to leave there. And look what God says in verse 7. Turn you, take your journey, go to the mountain of the Amorites, unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, the hills, the valley, in the south by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, unto Lebanon, unto the great river Euphrates. He's stating for them the general boundaries of the land of promise. It's yours. And look what he says unto them. <clears throat> Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. Now, let's, let's just, believers, right? There is enough in Scripture and enough exhortation from Bible teachers, right, who hold to the Bible, believe in prophecy, that would say what? The Lord's coming back real soon. I might even say unto us, be certain that this year you're watchful and praying for the Lord could come back at any moment. And and so you hear how I'm taking this and, and how important this is. They're to go possess the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. So a journey that God God's plan would take 11 days, they end up, using 40 years. Now, verses 9 through 18. And I spake unto you at that time, saying, I am not able to bear you myself alone. Moses is thinking about the time back at Horeb, okay? And he's now speaking again what happened really at the golden calf incident. Now, you maybe don't realize that, but it's at that place when that all went down, Again, and, and all that took place, he's now saying, we put elders and leaders and rulers in place. He said, I'm not able to bear you myself alone. The Lord your God hath multiplied you. Behold, ye are, ye are this day 
as the stars of heaven for multitude. When you hear that phrase, your scriptural mind should go back to the promises made to Abraham. When Abraham's looking up at the stars, and God's giving him these promises, and Abraham is without a child. <coughs> and the promises, you're going to have descendants. Look up and see all those stars. As many as that. What's Moses saying? It's happened. Now, it's not a technical number, but he's saying to him, hey, God's done this for you. God's fulfilled this for you. And, and he then makes this phrase in 11, the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as ye are and bless you as he has promised you. Well, fruitful and multiply. So as they're heading in, he's encouraging on them. And, and I, well, conservative estimates, conservative estimates, place that group of, of people coming forth out of Egypt at two million What does Moses say? I cannot bear you alone. How can I myself alone bear your cumbrance and your burden? Well, cumbrance and burden, I looked up the Hebrew words. They're actually closely related. You're too heavy for me to carry. I can't can't carry all of you. Do you remember when they sinned and God says unto Moses, you know, they're your people. Moses says, no, they're your people. But then this other word, your strife. So what happened at that time, he says, take you wise men of understanding, known among your tribes, and make them rulers over you. You know, let's be honest about the Moses model of ministry, which we as Calvary Chapel have used. We have used the Moses model of ministry because our our churches, we have decided, are pastor-led. That God calls a man to go do this, and, and he's got a calling and a vision, and he goes to do this, but he never does it alone. In fact, what do you always look and see? You see that God raises up those that come alongside together like the children of Israel and and according to the biblical instruction in the New Testament and elders and deacons and, and ministry leaders, they're all set into place. And at that time, uh, he says to make rulers over you, ye answer me and said, the thing which thou hast spoken to good to us, uh, good for us to do. That word thing in verse 14 is debar. This is part of the words. This is the thing. This is what they were speaking about. This is what they were talking about. And they did it. I took chief of your tribes, wise men, no one, <coughs> wise men and no one, made them heads over you, captains of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and officers among your tribes. I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cause between the brethren, judge righteously between every man and his brother. And the stranger that is with him. Ye shall not respect persons in judgment. Isn't that pretty cool? So on this grounds alone over what is instructed, you you have this truth of God's word. Not be respecter of persons and money. And well, I, I would add now the craziness in the world over color of skin. And they think that this is just the way things are. And, and you'll notice here too, between the children of Israel and a stranger, there was no two sets of laws. We have a whole group of people coming to this country who don't operate under the same laws in which we operate under. Now, again, these are things we can learn from all this. 
You shall not respect persons in judgment, but you shall hear the small as well as the great. Huh. You shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. And the cause, get this, the word cause there in verse 17, debar, part of the Debarim. The cause that is too hard for you. So you're hearing this case and all that is being said and you cannot figure it out. That the cause is too hard for you. Bring it to me and I will hear it. Verse 18, and I commanded you at that time all the things, debar, which you should do. Now, how important? And I, I measure it this way. When I started out pastoring, I was inexperienced, did not know what to do. And I was doing it, and I didn't know what I was doing. Now, I still don't really know what I'm doing all the time, but now I'm more comfortable in not knowing what I'm doing. You get used to it. Does that make sense? But how valuable was it along the way that I came across something I'd never experienced before that I had, I'd call up my pastor and said, this, this is going on, and this, this, and oh, he would speak to me about the things that he had learned and then done and applied in Scripture and how the Bible applies to this situation. Hey, this is, this is, this is our lives. And this is the book of Deuteronomy. It's living, active, powerful word of God into our lives to judge righteously in the body of Christ, to, to hear these things and to put them into practice. And how about this? The things that which ye should do. You know how many times people ask me, what should I do in this situation? I said, you should follow the Lord in that situation. What would you do? I said, you can't do what I would do. You're not me. But here's the Bible. Here's biblical decision making. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I know. And, and these are the things, or now back to this, or the Holy Spirit gives me a word of prophecy for them, or a word of wisdom, or they get a word of, knowledge, and these are the things that we should do with this. Verse 19, And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites. If you thought it was romantic to wander in the wilderness and have a 40-year camp out, and it was s'mores every night. Wait, they didn't have s'mores. And it was, you know, roasted manna every night. It was not romantic. In fact, Moses says, you saw the wilderness, great and terrible. Now, remember, terrible is it, it, the, the wilderness. It, it's rather amazing. I, the biggest thing I can say about driving on a bus through the wilderness, same area, same territory, the part that gripped me the most, I'm saying, there is nothing green out here. And we're, we're, I'm talking no blades of grass, no trees. It's rocks as far as the eye can see. And that's where they were at. Great and terrible wilderness. He says, you saw it. 11 days journey from Horeb to the mountains of the Amorites. You come to this place called Kadesh Barnea. Okay? First time around, Kadesh Barnea. Why do I say first time around? Because this is the place that God intended for them to go up into the promised land from Kadesh Barnea approximately two years in, two years after coming out of Egypt, God intended to bring them up at that time. But because of the divine delay, 
right? God would delayed them until all the children of Israel who had rebelled against him died. First time at Kadesh Barnea, Moses in verse 20 records, And I said unto you, You are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. So they're in Horeb. He says, journey to the land. Go get it. Now they get there. He says, you're here. Go into the land and get it. Hey, what happened to, to the body of Christ in the ventures of faith? What happened to, to men and women listening and hearing the call and, and, and going say, I'm going for it. I believe God said to go there. I'm going there. What happened to that? Well, hopefully you can say, well, I'm doing it. That's what happened for, for my wife and I, what is now 20 years ago. Hearing, hearing what God was speaking to us, think of Isaiah. He, he's in the presence of the Lord and he overhears God saying, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Isaiah hears that, he, I'll, I'll go. This is what happened. This is, this is the context. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. You know what that means? That means that God knows the difficulty and the, if you will, danger or the challenge of going to live that life that God has for them to live. And so Moses even tells them not to be afraid and not to be discouraged. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land and bring us Debar again by which way we must go up. You see how this is playing with what is spoken? God says, go up and get it, possess it, it's yours. What do they have to do at that point, that point in time? Go get it. But they have this idea, and it's formed out of what they're speaking and saying to one another. Okay. Now, what, what's, the, what's the thing I learn out of this? If I have heard from God what to go and do, I've got to go and do it. All of my speaking with other people only serves the trouble for me not to go do what God has called me to do. If you believe you have something from God and you start talking with other people and reasoning and listening to them. Now, I'm not saying God is not in this because he's in this. He, he, he doesn't say don't speak about these things. But whenever you start speaking of the things that God has given you to do and you listen to what I call detracting voices. But, but, right, and reasoning that's contrary to what God has said to do. Go spy out the land, right? Search us out the land. Bring us word again by which way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. Sounds sounds logical, right? Sounds like, well, we're just learning the way we should go. And the saying pleased me well. The word saying in 23, Debar, part of the Debarim. These are the words. This is what was happening. The saying pleased me well and took 12 men of you, one from every tribe. They turned and went up into the mountain and came into the Valley of Eshcol and searched it out. We remember the Valley of Eshcol because that's the place where they two men carry grapes between them on a staff. Very fruitful. They took of the fruit of the land in their hands, brought it down unto us, brought us Debar again. Do you see how prominent this title is? Devarim, this is what was spoken. These are the words. These are the sayings. This is the cause. 
And Moses is putting it all before them, saying, hey, this is, this is the way it, this went down. We need to know the truth. And they said, it's a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. And then 26 drops like a hammer. Notwithstanding, ye would not go up. Now, when we studied in Numbers, turns out two of the 12 spies were faithful and said, yeah. Yeah, there's giants in the land. Yeah, the land is really good. And then two of them stand up and say, and the Lord our God will give it to us. He's able. <coughs> the other ten started to persuade the people with scary stories, words. Debarim started to speak and say, your kids are going to die in there. Have you not heard, right? You bring children, Christians bringing children into the world in these days in which we're living. And the fear is, oh no, your kids are going to, the world's going to take them over. And I mean, same thing's going on now, right? You listen to people who say these words. And I'm here to remind you, parents who have kids, right? And you have the word of God. You have the word of God to bring your kids up in the word of God. And God will keep them. And there's promises. If you're you're bringing up your child in the way he should go when he is old, he will not depart from that. Now, you see how important this is? Because what happens if we as believers stop having families? We stop having children. We, We act like the world. And do you realize that one of the biggest problems going on in America right now since COVID is nobody's having children anymore? They're fearful over bringing children into the world. Now, you maybe didn't know that. So this notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Now, here's what God has done. I'll just repackage it. It's all in there. Our Lord our God has commanded, has promised, has provided, has protected, has prepared. Right? So what are you going to do with that information? Well, by faith and believing, you enter into the promises of God. You, you go in and get what God has for you. You follow the Holy Spirit. You take the steps of faith. You, you live your life that way. But they did not. The will of the people prevailed. So how wise is it even now, if you think about it, even to go spy out the land? I had a man contact, oh, this is so many years ago, and he was inquiring about Grand Forks. And he said, talking about Grand Forks, and do they have hospitals there? And all the, he, was, he was talking, and it turns out he had a child who needed medical care. And I said, and, and as he was talking to me, I said, well, are you, are you planning to come and vacation here? Are you taking a vacation to Grand Forks? Because he was talking like one who was planning a two-week vacation rather than somebody who was listening to what God had told him to do I said, if God told you to do this, you just got to get up and get here. Now, do you think he showed up? Nope, I haven't seen him. Do you think I remember his name? Not a clue. You, you, you get this, right? We will always forget. Do you remember the names of the 10 men who actually died supernaturally by a disease or a plague? I don't remember the name of the 10 men who, who told everybody to be afraid, but I sure remember the name of the two who said, God can do this, and and we're going to go forward. And I think you understand me. Notwithstanding. 
Verse 27, and ye murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. Um, what? I, I, maybe I can say that. But they, they did. They murmured and complained and they said, the Lord hated us. He hath brought on us forth out of the lands of Egypt to deliver us into the ham of, hand of the Amorites to destroy us. That doesn't sound like the God I serve. <coughs> Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. The people are greater and taller than we. Um, why do you think I mentioned the size of Og's bed to you? What have they already done? They have already gained victory over a people taller than them. Giants. But now you'll notice this word, these things that are spoken. And the cities, oh, they're walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Again, those are the giants. Then I said unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Now, here the children of Israel have a choice, as do we. To walk by faith, believing, trusting that God is able to do all the things in our lives. We do not need to be afraid to enter in, even if it would be for us dangerous uh, we would we would consider the Lord says go go to Iraq. The Lord says go to Syria. And and go and share the gospel. Well, I have a prayer that I've been praying now for years, and I'm I'm praying that we get an invitation from the House of Islam in Fargo, which is Kitty Corner, a hundred yards away, and I'm praying that they give us an invitation, begging us to come and talk to them all about the Son of God. And when that prayer is answered, I'm going to get up and go in there. Now, if I start consulting people, what will they say to me? Oh, do you think that's safe? Right? You, you get where this transfers into our lives. Now, they saw all the things that God did in Egypt and in the wilderness where you have seen how that the Lord thy God Bear thee as a man doth bear his son. I picture in my mind a, a man carrying his son in his arms. His son's tired. They're walking. He picks him up, carries him, or he, he can carry him for hours. All the way you went until you came unto this place. Explaining to them. And then 32, yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. Now, in your notes there, write Hebrews 3 and 4. It's, they, why didn't they enter into the promised land at that point? Because of unbelief. You know, so should Moses just sort of filter the words now? He doesn't want to hurt their feelings when he talks about their past? Or should he speak clear? And the record's there. So what? When they come back to this again, and after 40 years, they will not go the same way. Why are these things written down for us? End of the age has come. Trouble is going to be in the world worse and worse. Perilous times are coming. Jesus told us and warned us all this trouble was coming into the world. We need this because we've coasted for how long in this country? We have coasted 
without the very reality that a life of faith means life and death in, in, this, in this world. They did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search out a place. Did you really need to send in spies? No, God had already gone before you, searched out a place. He even told you where to go. He sent him to Kadesh Barnea. Go from there and go up. But they, in all their wisdom, in all their words, speaking, and all their devarim, came to a different conclusion. What about the church? What are we going to listen to right now? I knew in 2020 that the world was preaching a message of... Doom, gloom, disease, sickness, death, and it just kept repeating over and over again. I made a cognitive decision, right? Cognitive. I made a a decision in my mind that I was not going to advertise and promote and raise the banner for the things the world wanted to talk about. I already had a banner in church. I didn't have room for another one. I didn't have room for more publications on our website in our church, I, I had no place to put a sign up to say, cover your face, or we can't have services because they tell us not to. I had no room for that. <clears throat> now, as I say that, I, it's not to promote. I'm just saying unto you, the same thing will happen to us if we don't hold to the things that our Lord has said to us. I expect that the world will hate me. I expect trouble, I expect more and more difficulty as I continue to follow Jesus Christ. And I'm determined to continue to minister in perilous days. I have no plans to leave the city in which God has called me to dwell and to teach the word of God, and I have no intents of, of leaving this work, none whatsoever. You, you, God's, God's done this. Now, on to verse 34. The Lord God heard the voice of your words and was wrath, uh, wrath and swore, saying, Surely ne- there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swore to give unto your fathers, except Caleb in 36 and Joshua in 37 and 38. 37. What was it about Caleb? He hath wholly followed the Lord. Now, what's the real benefactor? Well, Caleb's children with him. You see that? 30, 36. I'll give it to him and to his children because he's wholly followed the Lord. What, what does that mean for us as believers? We are bringing up children in a troubled, perilous times world. Should we stop? What's the promise? If we wholly follow the Lord, that blessing of inheritance and promise will be for us and for our children. And think about that influence you get with your grandchildren. How valuable. 37. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sakes. Thou also shall not go in there. But Joshua, son of Nun, which stands before thee, he shall go in there. Encourage him. What if we're the generation like Moses who is to encourage the next generation who is going to face the life and death decisions the world over? If you serve Jesus Christ, this world's going to kill you, hate you and kill you. 
Right now, that's not happening here, right? So what if we're preparing that next generation before the rapture of the church to be prepared for all the difficulty? Encourage them. Follow the Lord. Hold to the word of God. Don't follow the sayings, words, things, cause, philosophies of man. Learn the things in the word of God and what I have told you about them. I love the Proverbs, the context, many times as a father to a son, the son whom he loves. Son, I I raised you. Hey, I spoke to you about that. I corrected you because of this. We can't go that way. Again, these are words, right? Sayings. These are the things that are important to us. That's why I like church. I love Calvary Chapel. What is it I love? Ministry of the Word of God. Go through the Bible and have the Spirit of God fill the believers, have the Spirit teach, have the Spirit gift, and love one another. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? And do you think Satan doesn't try to chop that thing all apart? Oh, he does. And in many ways, he has chopped it apart for some. But if we speak these things to one another and hold them, then they're ours. So Moses is sent to encourage. And then look at 39. Moreover, your little ones, which you said would be as a prey, they're actually going to be the ones who go in and get the land. I give it to them, and they're going to actually go possess it. But as for you, turn around, go back the way you came, go the long way around. We've got some more time to kill till you die. That, that's... that's That's what Moses said. They answered and said, "Uh Uh-oh, we've sinned. We've sinned against the Lord, verse 41. We'll go up and fight. We're ready now. According to all that the Lord our God commanded us. And then Moses says, When you girded every man his weapons of war, you're ready to go up to the hill. And the Lord said unto me, Say unto them, Don't go up, neither fight, for I am not among you. You see that key phrase right there? Isn't this the most important thing we have? God is among us. Most important thing in our homes, God is among us. In our churches, God is with us. In your venture of faith, God is with you. That when, when God doesn't go with them, he describes it this way in 43. You'll, you'll be, or 42, don't go up. He says, you'll be smitten before your enemies. Moses says, so I spake unto you and you would not hear but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. Now, I've learned this in ministry, and I don't know if it's getting worse or if I just meet the people, and, and, I, and I find a hardness, a rebellion, and I always ask this question, because it's usually one of the members in church who's asking my help for some difficult person in their life. And I always ask this question, who will they listen to? You hear that? Who will they listen to? And many times what I get back from The person I'm talking to, nobody. Won't listen to anybody. And and that's 43. This is Moses. Moses meets with God, hears from God, and he's a man like we are, right? He's not a great man, like any better than this, like, but he's faithful. And Moses tells them these things and they would not hear, but they rebelled against the commandments of the Lord. I do not find it reasonable that everybody in church should hang on my every word. So why do I keep repeating things? Right? I do not find it reasonable. Hey, I said this once that everybody's going to do it. If I really thought that, okay, I would be delusional. I am aware 
that these things we speak about, Moses, these are the things, these are the Devarim. Book of Deuteronomy serves its purpose for the repetition, the, hey, this is what this is. Hey, this is the things, these, this is the way. They rebelled against the commandment. The Amorites come out and chase them back like bees. They destroyed them. Uh, and you and Seir, even to Hormah. And then you abode in Kadesh many days. And that wraps up chapter 1, which is really an introduction and a chapter. And so here's what your assignment for next week, your homework. Read read 2 and 3. Now, you can read into 4 if you want to. 1 through 4, I would have loved to have taught 1 through 4 today, but everybody was stoned me because I'd have been teaching all day long. And it would have been too long, and I would have been wore out, and the people would have been wore out, and that's enough! But if you ever sit down and read 1 through 4, you, you get the introduction. Because what Moses does for them is he records their history and then he brings them to this place when we, when we hit into four. And then the, the record stops and now he begins to instruct them in the way they're to live their personal lives. The great Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's in Deuteronomy. That's in the words. And you you can go right through that. How about this one? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. That's in Deuteronomy 8. That's part of the words. So I'm just priming the pump for you to be excited about the study of the book of Deuteronomy. And, And take it the way it's written. Take it the way it's written. These are the things, the words, the cause. This this is this is what they needed to go in. Now, do the same thing with the words of our Lord. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. How important are his words? Right? Turn the other cheek. Yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. Or how about this one? Love your enemy. How about this one? Pray for those that persecute you. Okay? You, you, you with me now? We have words, sayings, teachings Our Lord would say things like this. You have heard that it was said of old, but I say unto you. When when you hear things like that, that's Jesus speaking. That's that's the Devarim. Those are the sayings of Jesus, the Son of God, who takes the word of God. The most valuable parts of the Bible to me are the things that the Son of God interprets the truth to us in the context of which it was written that this is ours to walk out. So, see why I like talking about stuff like this? So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words you gave Moses in that day, and, and we're thankful for the words that your son came to speak and the things and, and the cause that he has given us to follow him. So we're grateful people tonight. Stir us up to enter into all the promises you have for us Lord, to possess that life of Christ that you've given us to live at all costs. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Lord bless you this week. May the Lord cause his grace to abound in your life. And may you experience, right, by the Holy Spirit, a reminder of the things that God has said to you. Maybe one thing this week comes back up and you say, Aha! I remember that God said this to me. And may that be a blessing as you think about the study tonight. So no second sermon, we're out.